Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we begin the 15th chapter of Mark with verses 1 through 21. Last week, we had just cut away from phase one of Jesus' trial before the Jewish authorities to Peter and his denial of Jesus just a couple of hours after boldly swearing that he would never deny him, even if everyone else did. Now Mark cuts back to the continuation of Jesus' trials. Enter Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor of the region, whom the Jewish authorities needed to officially condemn Jesus to death if their scheme to kill him was to be fulfilled legally. As Pilate questioned Jesus, he was convinced that Jesus was not guilty of any crime worthy of death, but welcome to politics, even 2,000 years ago. The schemes and manipulations of evil men accomplished God's sovereign goal, however. The whole world, both Jews and Greeks, proclaimed their hatred of God and killed his son whom he sent. If we don't need God's forgiveness for anything else, we need it for this. Here is today's slice of the sermon entitled, Pilate, Savvy and Spineless. Pilate speaking. He says, yeah, I think the first time he tried to get out of it, I'll send him off to Herod. Thank goodness, the governor from Galilee's here. Oops, I got him back. Here's his second thought. He says, But you have a custom that I release someone for you at the Passover. Do you wish then that I release for you the king of the Jews? He had seen those crowds in the temple. He knew Jesus was incredibly popular. He'd heard about him all of this time. And he had this custom, throw a bone the way of the Jews once a year at the Passover to act like you have a little compassion or a little little mercy. So he's figuring, okay, I'll, I'll release him. But Pilate was as savvy as he was spineless and foolish. Understand that he saw through this whole situation, except for how stupid he looked. Back to Mark, Mark 15, 9 and 10. Pilate answered them. Now, we just read John's version of this. Now, Mark adds this comment. Pilate answered them saying, Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For... He was aware that the chief priests had handed him over because of envy. He saw that they weren't after justice. They came with the death penalty first and then tried to find an accusation. He knew that the motive for killing Jesus had nothing to do with their feigned loyalty to Rome. Oh, this man doesn't want people to pay taxes to Rome, which is exactly contrary to what Jesus said. Pilate could sniff out envy. He could recognize desperate hunger to hang on to position and power because that's how he lived. Takes one to know one. And he saw right through these guys. Now, there's one more juicy little unexpected piece of this drama. Haven't been to Matthew yet. Let's go over to Matthew. Matthew 27, verse 19. While he, and the he is Pilate, was sitting on the judgment seat, 
That's the, the place in the praetorium where he would make legal pronouncements. While he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent him a message saying, Have nothing to do with that righteous man, for last night I suffered greatly in a dream because of him. Wow. As if Pilate isn't miserable enough. He's got the Jewish leaders screaming over here. He's got, he's got the, the problem of, of what to do. What if this gets back to Rome? Now he's going to have his wife on his case. Trust me, Mrs. Pilate didn't usually interrupt him when he was at the judgment seat. But she obviously knew what was going on. They had likely spoken of Jesus during the week. I mean, you couldn't have been there for the five days before this and not have talked about Jesus and the crowds in the, in the temple and clearing the temple and, 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 and all of that stuff. Um, probably his wife knew of Pilate's original verdict. Maybe he'd come back home after he sent him off to, to Herod and said, Wow, honey, boy, I just... I dodged a bullet. Herod's in town. I'm, I'm, I'm off the hook. Oh, oh, wait a minute. They want me back at the praetorium. Jesus is back. She probably knew all that was going on. Well, she had had a terrible dream. Remember, this is happening first thing in the morning. She'd had a terrible dream about what might happen, presumably, to her husband if he sent Jesus to his death. Now, I promise she did not have a legitimate dream about what would happen to her husband unless she dreamed about the lake of fire. That's where her husband ended up, for all that we know. Now, I've heard people say that you know, this was a prophecy, that God gave this prophecy about um, uh, Jesus and you know, lay off the, 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 the righteous man. Well, there's no indication that this was a revelatory dream from God. Um, and there's no reason whatsoever to take it as such. Far more likely, she was convinced of Jesus' innocence. She knew her husband had trouble with his boss in Rome. She knew he was in a mess, and she was frightened for her husband. So why is this mentioned here? We don't need Mrs. Pilate to convince us that Jesus is innocent, um, We don't need Mrs. Pilate to further illustrate that Pilate was a weasel. Um, But by taking this very unusual act of interrupting the governor on the judgment seat, Pilate's wife is recorded forever in Scripture as yet another voice attesting to Jesus' innocence. Now, there's a lot of things I would hope are true. I would like to think she was a believer. Somehow, through all of that, maybe she had been in the crowds, maybe she'd heard, maybe she'd come to faith. Um, Or that maybe after Jesus went to the cross, that maybe she became a believer. Uh, I've heard some wonderful points of sermons to that effect, and those are great sermons if you're willing to add to the Word of God. It doesn't say that. She had a bad dream as she was scared for her husband to the point that she did something very unusual. Well, poor Pilate. The jaws of the vice with every word spoken get tighter and tighter and tighter on Pilate. 
pressure to release Jesus, even from his wife, pressure to send him to the cross. I imagine his discomfort was pretty easy to see. I can see the messenger coming up and, you know, handing him a note and he's looking at it and it would only get worse. Well, the chief priests sniffed that out and they pounced on his discomfort. We go back to Mark 15 verses 11 through 15. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to ask him to release Barabbas for them instead. You know, I think he came there planning to release Barabbas that day. He was thinking, wait a minute, Barabbas is guilty. Jesus is innocent. Why don't I give him an innocent man that's been very popular among them? So the, the, the chief priests and those guys, they, they, they led spiritually the same way that Herod and Pilate led uh, politically by intimidation and manipulation. They whipped the crowds up to demand the release of Barabbas. Answering again, Pilate said to them, Then what shall I do with him whom you call the king of the Jews? They shouted back, Crucify him! But Pilate said to them, Why? What evil has he done? They shouted all the more, Crucify him! Now, here comes everything you ever need to know about the character of Pilate in one verse. Look at it carefully. Wishing to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas for them. And after having Jesus scourged, he handed him over to be crucified. He knew Jesus was innocent. He knew that his accusers were absolutely filthy in this situation. They'd manipulated truth. They'd manipulated people. They'd, they'd broken countless of their own laws. He even knew that his own wife was going to be mad at him. But what mattered most to this man? Wishing to satisfy the crowd. So he lets a murderer loose. He, he decided to go ahead and inflict an unspeakably horrible physical punishment on a totally innocent man in order to try to please the crowd of murderers led by hypocrites. He was just fine with doing that as long as it solved his problem. And in the end, he handed over the only innocent man in all of history to be crucified. He who knew no sin became sin for us. We're going to see the became sin for us part of it next time. Well, that's Pilate to Herod and back to Pilate. One more step before we are ready to look at the cross next time. Before the actual crucifixion comes another absolutely abhorrent scene. I'm not going to describe scourging to you, flogging to you. It's, it's utterly terrible. But even though only the most despicable of human beings could ever order something like this or do something like this, that's what was done to Jesus. Go back to Mark and Mark verses 16, chapter 15, verses 16 through 20, and this is mocking the master. The soldiers took him away into the palace, that is the praetorium, and they called together the whole Roman cohort. Now, what's that about? Remember the Roman cohort, cohort that's the soldiers. 
a cohort would be up to 600 of them. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.